0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 41st edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, back once again for another week and a look at professional wrestling as a whole as it pertains to the WWE and AEW. Uh, We're going to be talking about a couple of different things differently this week. Um, And um, I don't see this being uh, the going forward routine. Um, you know, in weeks to come, but I wanted to try something different, give you guys a little bit more of a whole look at what went on, uh, for the week for the WWE with both Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and then give you AEW's Dynamite and Rampage also. Uh, but with Raw and SmackDown, I'll be looking at the highs and the lows of the show. Not really a full in-depth look at those particular segments, but the highs and the lows as a whole for both of those shows. We still have quick hits. We still have full in that looks at uh, at, uh, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, and AEW Rampage. So, that being said, also, there will be no Grinds My Gears this evening. (laughs) Why? Because we are going to be doing viewer questions once again, and we've got about five questions that were sent in in the comments section of the We Can't Wrestle podcast Facebook group. I asked for your questions earlier this week, and you guys went ahead and did so. So a lot of good questions in there, Um, and no reason to uh, waste any more time. Let's sit back. You guys go ahead and pop open your favorite frosty beverage. I've got mine open already, and let's get into some quick hits. Number one, the WWE has now made... $350 million with their Saudi Arabia deals for their uh, premium live shows that they do there in uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Uh, And this is twice as much as AEW's TV deal with TNT and TBS is worth. A little ridiculous there. The reason I wanted to talk about this is because, as I've said in the past, even just last week, I am not a big fan of the Saudi Arabia shows. Uh, And it is not just because of the way that the Saudi Arabia government uh, does uh, their things such as killing um, unsuspected journalism uh, people who are there to interview uh, them or other, you know, celebrities that are there um, or the way that they treat their people. No, it's because, well, after what happened a couple of years ago with the WWE superstars getting left on the tarmac and Vince McMahon taking a jet out of Saudi Arabia, it really showed me. That man does not give a crock about his wrestlers whatsoever i mean even the ones that he says he loves and will always care for he really doesn't uh and to think that this is um a little more than a quarter of that billion dollar mark that they reached last year um in 2021 uh as far as their income goes well it's it's a bit of a shameful thing uh when you look at it as a whole this man is truly whoring the WWE out to the Saudi uh, Arabia fans, and uh, well, it's basically it, he's doing it at the cost of the wrestler's health. Uh, we've talked about this many times before. Goldberg almost injuring the Undertaker and injuring himself during their match in Saudi Arabia. Shawn Michaels was injured. Uh, Shawn Michaels was injured in the tag team match with the Undertaker and Kane and Triple H uh, during their match in Saudi Arabia, and just this past week during the one that they had uh elimination chamber madcap moss almost had his neck broken uh in a bad landing off of an alabama slam for um drew McIntyre. now these types of injuries and happenings can happen anywhere in the world but it seems like they mostly happen in saudi arabia because they are the wrestlers are being told to go all out because the saudi government wants their fans to get a great show i think personally these need to stop i think wwe needs to look into going back to England, doing a pay-per-view there, maybe at one in Japan, and so on and so forth. I think the travel blo- blocks are gone now. Uh, COVID is pretty much coming down to a halt, so they can go wherever they want. And I mean, if we could start a pay-per-view at 1 p.m., because it's in Saudi Arabia, and be okay with it, then we can certainly start SummerSlam at 1 or 2 p.m. Uh, in, in England, or uh, like we did before in the past. It does not have to be uh, a taboo thing because a pay-per-view has to start early. Uh, It's just my opinion, though. Number two on the quick hit list is at Impact's No Surrender. Jay White, King Switchblade, turned on the Bullet Clubs, Tama Tonga and Tonga Lo. And is there, the question I have here is, is there now a Bullet Club civil war going on? Jay White, of course, joined uh, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole over in AEW a couple of weeks ago. He was in Impact with the uh, Tongas, uh, you know, the the Gorillas of Destiny. Um, And, of course, they're all still in New Japan as well. Um, Are we now going to see with this turn by Jay White a feud between the Gorillas of Destiny, uh, Bad Luck Filet, and the core bullet club from New Japan coming to AEW or Impact? and having a feud with Jay White and the elite? Would Adam Cole be involved? Is Kenny Omega looking to return to be involved in this at at all? Or will he be left out, and then once he returns and sees what has happened, be mind blown because he left Adam Cole in charge? There's a lot of questions here, and it's a great amount of storytelling that's about to go on. Uh, The Bullet Club as a whole has always been a great unit and a great uh, uh, stable that was put together by Finn Balor, Prince Divot, Um, Tom Matonga, Bad Luck Filet, uh, Carl Anderson, and uh, Doc Gallows. So uh, basically what you got to look at here is the history and the years that have been put in, uh, where these superstars are now. Um, and, uh, you know, some of them are in the WWE, some of them are in AEW, some of them are still in New Japan, Impact, uh, and NWA. There is a lot going on. And a lot left to be seen here in the Bullet Club. And I just can't wait to be a part of it and watch and see what's going on. And of course, quick hit number three. Cesaro leaves the WWE after 11 years. Contract negotiations broke down between the WWE and Cesaro. uh, And his contract quietly expired. This means that there may or may not be a non-compete clause and Cesaro can go anywhere that he wants. Uh, We're going to talk about that more a little later, but I find it very stupid that the WWE is allowing a lot of this talent's um, contracts to just expire. Uh, I find it stupid that Vince McMahon is not trying to hold on to these key athletes who have been there, like Cesaro, for 11 years, and I find it utterly stupid that Vince McMahon wants to continue to do business this way because all it is sending is a bad light An image out to these other superstars from other companies and the indie realm of the world and allowing it to look like, well, hey, I don't give a hell about you guys. I don't care if you come here and if you get fired or if you quit or whatever, I'm going to basically let you go anyway. And who knows what's going to happen to you afterwards. All he's going to keep getting are these young superstars that they're going to be growing like going on with NXT 2.0, such as Andre Chase and uh, uh, Harlan. They're great athletes, don't get me wrong, but you need to have a couple of big names there that are coming in from the indies every now and then, too. So I just find it stupid that this is the way that Vince McMahon is handling a lot of these key names that he has now let go Cesaro, Pac, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, it's getting a little ridiculous there, folks, but to each his own. If that's the way Vince man wants to do business, then more power to him. And when he's, uh, Done with the professional wrestling game, I hope people will say, you know, the the better part of your career was during your younger days, Vince. Moving on now to our show reviews, and we're looking at Monday Night Raw and the highs here first, folks. The highs of Monday Night Raw, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman's opener. Fantastic between those two, a great trade of words, and Brock Lesnar promising that he will be on SmackDown this Friday night and Heyman promising that when Brock Lesnar goes to Madison Square Garden next week uh, to defend his title on Saturday, that he's going to lose it. Unbelievable. Uh, Owens and Rollins backstage segment. I love the way these two are coming together as a tag team. The Alpha Academy versus the Street Profits was a great tag team outing between both of them. And, of course, the Alpha Academy keeps the win and continues their forward momentum. Tommaso Ciampa's backstage segment it was great to see him on Monday Night Raw, and he is going to be now teaming with Finn Balor to take on Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Well, that was a fantastic high spot for Monday Night Raw. Great tag team action between all. Rhea Ripley and Nikki uh, Ash was almost a low, but Rhea's, uh, Rhea Ripley's uh, downright strength and ability in the ring boasted it up just a little more. We got another Undertaker vignette like we did at uh, Elimination Chamber, but this one was so much better uh, and so well done. Uh, then we got Damian Priest versus Shelton Benjamin. Uh, Priest and Benjamin tore down 12 minutes of absolute incredible wrestling action. After the match, Priest lays out an open challenge for the United States title, and Finn Balor answers the challenge, yes, please, give us Balor versus Priest. Edge's in ring was fantastic, asking for someone to challenge him at WrestleMania. There are rumors that it could be AJ Styles or it could be a returning superstar, whoever it is. Edge's words were unbelievable in that if you face me at WrestleMania, I will make you famous. Great job by Edge. And finally, Seth Rollins and uh Kevin Owens versus RK Bro. Rollins and Owens got the win in a fantastic tag team outing. RK Bro. And Rollins and Owens will now take on the Alpha Academy next week on Monday Night Raw in a triple threat match, which I'm sure will be a great main event for the show as well. On to the lows. Not very many here, though. Um, Miz TV with the Mysterios and Logan Paul. Um, I thought this was a throwaway segment. I don't think that Logan Paul should be anywhere near WrestleMania again. And um, I'm really not happy about what we're getting. Uh, you know, the Mysterios versus Ms. and Logan Paul. Don't want to see it. Twenty four seven segment with Reggie and and uh, Dana Brooks. I understand they're trying to do a love trying a love uh, interesting here, and Reggie helping her get back to twenty four seven title because he's madly in love with her, and he mad, It's ridiculous. I don't want to see this on Monday Night Raw unless it's something that's going to be planned a little better, other than just to boast to twenty four seven title. Becky and Bianca Belair face-to-face. It seems like something we've seen already. We've seen them go face-to-face a dozen times already. Let's get something better there. And I'm not saying better in someone new. Give me something new between these two other than them both bitching at each other. And finally, uh, Belair versus Drop. I don't like the Drop character. I think that she's eventually going to hurt somebody again because she just seems like she's gotten lazy in the ring over the last couple of weeks. And I do believe that her and Bianca Belair need to stop fighting. Uh, it has become overdone. Uh, this is now the fifth time these two have wrestled. And it's getting us nowhere other than highlighting that Bianca Belair is the only woman on the roster who could lift dewdrop for her finisher. And now we're going to move on and jump all the way to Friday this week uh, for Friday Night Smackdowns and the highs and lows of Smackdown. Uh, Because as I said, we're going to talk about these shows in a little quicker pace and then get into our full show reviews for NXT Dynamite and Rampage. SmackDown's highs. New Day versus Los Otarios. Ending was a little wonky, but still a damn good match. Nakamura and Boog's Toyota segment. I don't know what it was. The commercial was just, it was funny as hell and it was perfectly done. Uh, Ricochet getting an Intercontinental title match next week against Sami Zayn. I'm all for it. Uh, Banks and Shotzi, haven't seen either in a couple of weeks. And it was great to see them have a really good to, uh, women's matchup here. Um, I would have liked them to go a little longer, but I understand time constraints. Hopefully, they get to face each other again in the future. And, of course, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar's contract signing in the main segment of the show. The story these two are telling are the best things on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, in my opinion. Moving on to the lows. Uh, The opening with Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Sonyville. Long and drawn out. Didn't need to be that long just so Sonya could uh, attack Ronda. I think that we've seen this all been done before in every feud Charlotte has had. I'm tired of it. I hope Ronda actually goes over at WrestleMania. Uh, New Day Sheamus and uh, Ridge Holland backstage segment. Made no sense. It was really not needed. If we're going to, you know, if this is just a progressive now, a feud with Holland and Sheamus versus the New Day, okay, but I don't know what sense this made or what, what, where, where we're going with this. Uh, the Usos talking to Sam Roberts about Brock Lesnar and, and Roman Reigns and then being attacked by the Viking Raiders. It was a throwaway segment. I don't care what the Usos think about Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, and honestly and truthfully, they need to defend their tag team titles eventually. Um, and then, of course, Xia Lee is just now debuting in the ring. Hasn't it been two months since she got called up to the main roster and went to SmackDown? Well, her match with Natalya took place. Uh, they didn't work well together at all. It was very sloppy. And for the three minutes that they were given, it was just a very hokey looking match. Sami Zayn's celebration in the ring and interaction with Johnny Knoxville. No, this is just like I said about Logan Paul. We don't need useless celebrities at WrestleMania. Uh, Logan Paul and Johnny Knoxville Knoxville is over and done with you cannot tell me that anybody still watches uh Jackass and goes oh my god it's still funny today it's not anything that great Logan Paul is self-made celebrity that people are still you know looking at maybe if we look away he'll go away remember when WrestleMania first started folks we had people like Liberace and Muhammad Ali other WrestleManias we had Pamela Anderson and Jen- Jenny McCarthy Bob Euchre, Phil, you know uh, uh, Regis Philbin. Now we're getting Logan Paul, Bad Bunny, and Johnny Knoxville. And you know what? I raised Bad Bunny from that. He did fantastic last year at WrestleMania. So, are we really leading to a Johnny Knoxville versus, um, Sami Zayn match for the Intercontinental Title? Really? Backstage interview with Corbin and Moss. Tired of these two and their dad jokes. It, it's, again, overdone. And then, of course, the McIntyre versus Moss match. It was okay, but the before the match switched between Corbin and Moss, and then the beatdown just made this a lousy segment. I feel bad for Drew having to go through this. Um, in my opinion, of the two shows, Raw is the winner here. Definitely go out of your way to see Raw if you didn't. SmackDown had a lot more lows than highs. It was a struggle to get through it this week. That's all I'm going to say. So, of the two shows, though, Raw was definitely the better of the two. Moving on now to NXT 2.0. And we got started uh, with a good highlight package from Vengeance Day. In my opinion, the NXT televised pay-per-view was better than the Elimination Chamber match that was actually on the... Uh, peacock network um i I just something about nxt vengeance they came off as crisp and clean and then everything that went on at elimination chamber it seemed a little rushed maybe that's just me braun breaker walked out to a thunderous crowd and the nxt champion has something to say breaker puts over escobar and says he is ready for the nxt stand deliver pay-per-view this brings out Dolph ziggler and mr ziggler ziggles Puts down Braun and all of NXT. Ziggler will go one on to, one with Tommaso Ciampa and hopes Ciampa takes, and I kind of hope Ciampa takes out Ziggler and lets him leave NXT. I don't want to see Ziggler fight for the NXT title. You know, when I hear Dolph Ziggler say, Former World Heavyweight Champion, former this, former, yes, Dolph, you are a two time Former World Heavyweight Champion who never even defended your title one time because you got concussed or injured before you had a chance to. Now, that's not your fault, but I really don't think that you're a former World Heavyweight Champion, and I think that you still have a lot to prove, and you going back to NXT, never having been there before, is waste. So, we then go to the ring for our first match of the night, and it is LA Knight taking on Grayson Waller. This was a good opener, mainly because Knight held control for most of the match. Waller got in a couple of good shots, but it was Song's distraction that allowed Waller to roll up Knight and get the win at the nine-minute mark. Post-match night goes off and takes out Songa, Waller, and anything else that moves. I was hoping this would be the end of their feud, but I guess we will move on and see what happens. We see Wendy Cho and uh, Dakota Kai making nicey-nice, and then we get to look at the brackets for the women's bestie cub. But then, Toxic Attraction begins making their way to the ring. One of my favorite parts of NXT 2.0 is Toxic Attraction. I think all three ladies are great in the ring. They're all beautiful, and they all know how to deliver a promo, so I am happy that they are being put on TV a little more than usual. The Toxic Lounge takes place. This is where Toxic Attraction will watch the Women's Dusty Cup from. On uh, Mandy, JC, Gracie, uh, Gigi, excuse me, talk about Cora Jade and Raquel uh, Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, and all of their opponents for the Women's Dusty Cup. Mandy says no one can stop Toxic Attraction, and I fully believe her when she says that because they've been pretty unstoppable for the last two and a half months. We go to the ring for Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai to take on Lash Legend and Amari. Uh, This was one of the uh, this one lasted all of three minutes and it was basically done to show how great Io and Kaylee worked together. Uh, They got the win and will move on in the Women's Dusty Cup. In my opinion, they're my pick to win. You know, they seem like they could become a very well-established tag team. Um, and if they do win and move on, when Zoe Stark comes back, it gives us a feud between EO and Zoe, because Zoe obviously is going to be jealous that Eo has moved on to a new partner. Um, McKenzie interviews Dante Chen before his match with Duke Hudson. Chen says Duke targeted him and now he's going to have his revenge, uh, and his vengeance tonight, even though vengeance day was last week. Hudson and Chen then get started. Chen attacked on the outside before the bell and took it to Hudson. No matter how much Duke tried to get anything off on Chen, he could not be stopped. Dante showed off some great moves and almost got it done, but Hudson hit a cheap shot and then hit his version of the outsider edge to get the win in five minutes. Really good match. Both showed a lot here in a short period of time. Carmelo Hayes then makes his way out to the ring to address the NXT arena and boasts about taking out Cameron Grimes. He gets interrupted by Pete Dunne, finally, and Dunne lays out the challenge, but Trick says no. Carmelo, on the other hand, agrees, and from out of nowhere, here comes Cameron Grimes. He hits the ring and takes out Melo and Trick, and I was hoping that Grimes was going to stay in the title picture. I'm all for this. Grimes took, uh, then took on Trick Williams in a one-on-one impromptu match. Uh, both guys just had a knockdown-dragout fight here. Trick showed a ruthless side. And punished Grimes, but Grimes rallied and uh, then relied on his speed to make a comeback. Uh, Grimes hit a splash from the top and then his double stomp and got the win in another great matchup here tonight on NXT. Braun approaches Ciampa backstage and says he'll have his back tonight. Ciampa says he sees them as Breaker 1, Ciampa 1, and they need to break the tie. Uh, We hear from Andre Chase about his troubles with Von Wagner I will wait to see how these two have their first matchup uh, before I shit on it. I'm not a fan of Von Wagner or Andre Chase, but I guess we have to wait and see. Like I said, Nikita Lyons makes her debut against Kayla Lang. um, And she didn't disappoint. Uh, Great martial arts maneuvers and a powerhouse inside of the ring. Uh, The split splash finisher that she got uh, and laid out her opponent with. Got the win, and I can't wait to see more of her and her assets, ladies and gentlemen. Duke Hudson makes his way to the backstage and uh, makes out with Parada, and then causes issues between Indy and Dexter Loomis. Uh, no one messes with Index, in my opinion. No one. Robert Stone ad- answers Andre Chase's uh, challenge for next week, and he says, Next week, one on one Von Wagner, it will take apart the school teacher. Uh, next week, well, then we shall see. We don't got way too long to wait. Uh, I will reserve my feelings for these two until I see them go one-on-one. The Creed brothers and Malcolm Bivens come out to accept the uh, men's Dusty Cup. Walter, I will call him nothing else but Walter, uh, and Imperium make their way out to the ring. A brawl breaks out, and Walter almost gets his hands on Malcolm Bivens, but Solo Sukhoi hits the ring and takes him out. What a super kick! Sakoy delivered to Walter. Uh, So, Walter versus Sakoy, make it happen, NXT, as soon as possible. They did these backstage dating things all night long with Jensen and Briggs. Like, really? What what the fuck? We we can't just see these two actually have a a tag team matchup. We have to resort them to online dating jokes and funny, stupid humor that no one's really laughing at. Uh, Joe Gacy then explains... Uh, that next week Harlan will take on Anthony Draco one-on-one because of a mishap in the gym a couple of days ago. And apparently Joe Gacy is still trying to get Draco to join him and Harlan. I don't know if that happens maybe during the match next week, but whatever the case, let's see what happens. Ivy Nildon takes uh, into tag team division in the Women's Dusty Cup with her uh, partner Paxley as they take on Carter and Catarozano. You know how I feel about this tag team. Uh, it's the Ravers versus the throwaway tag team, and it wasn't very good. Paxley is brand new and looks lost. Carter and Catarizano still don't look pol- like they're polished, and Ivy Nile has no business being a real fighter being in the ring with these three women. Carter and Catarizano got a win after that very looking finishing splash by Catarizano, and they're moving on in Dusty Cub. Lord, I don't know why. So, look, Sekoye lets us know that next week it will be him. Taking on Walter, yes, quicker is better. Don't make me wait till Stan delivered. They can have another match of then, you know. Uh, I cannot wait. Let these two tee off on one another for 15 minutes next week, and I will be a very happy camper. And then we go to the ring for our main event Dolph Ziggler taking on Tomasa Ciampa. This is one of those matches that you had to watch every minute of. They went from a slow back and forth match to creeping up and getting the pace going ever so often, ever so lightly. Each tried to get off their finisher multiple times, but there was always a counter. All of a sudden, a cameraman hit Tommaso Ciampa over the head with the um, camera that he was holding from behind. Ziggler hit a super kick and got the win in a 22-minute matchup. Very good main event. We go to the post-match, and the cameraman ends up being Robert Rude. Who else was it going to be? Uh, this led to Rude and Ziggler trying to beat down Champa. Braun Breaker made the save. All four brawled, and next week it will be a tag team match: Breaker and Champa taking on Ziggler and Rude. I, I, you know what? This was a great week. A lot of lead in for the next pay per view. Stand and deliver. They talked about it all night long, and it was great coming out of Avengers Day. Four out of five here. There were only a couple of small little problems, but nothing huge. Great show, great job, WWE NXT 2.0. Moving on now to AEW Dynamite. We opened Dynamite with a tag team battle royal, and it's rolling pretty good from the get-go. Butcher eliminates Reynolds, but Silver got the payback and eliminated the Butcher. Santana and Ortiz eliminated the gun club, and now there are bodies everywhere. We got down to FTR. Red Dragon, the Young Bucks, Santana, John Silver, and Trent. Orange Cassidy saved Trent from being eliminated in the, to the crowd's light. Jackson would eliminate Silver, and O'Reilly would hurry up and get rid of Jackson at the ending to allow Red Dragon to get the win at the 20-minute mark. Post-match, the Bucks and Red Dragon argue in the ring, but Adam Page hits the ring and takes out Fish and O'Reilly. Cole tries to get in a cheap shot, but Page turns it around and sends everyone running to the back and hits a buckshot on Kyle O'Reilly. Paige cut a promo and accepted the challenge of Adam Cole for AEW Revolution. And that's how you open up a Wednesday night, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you show people this is a wrestling show, by having a great wrestling battle royal, and then immediately going into signing your main event for your pay-per-view. Everything flowed perfectly. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Tony Schiavone then interviewed Brian Danielson. Danielson says that tonight he fights a younger version of himself and Daniel Garcia. He also tells Moxley he will answer him tonight as well. Moxley and uh, Brian at Revolution? Yes, please. MJF comes out and delivers the best promo I've heard. Well, in my opinion, the last five years. Um, he was passionate and he was real. Talked about meeting CM Punk. And being a huge fan of his. Loving professional wrestling and AEW. And then he talked about when Punk left. And he, he got me. If this was a work, he got me. I felt the same way he did when Punk left. Only I was older and I wasn't dealing with ADD. Punk comes out and asks MJF if this was real and if it was true. He said yes and he walked off. If this was true... This adds to this dog-collar match because we're going to have a real fight on our hands. But even if it wasn't true, the fans bought into it so much that right now, if AEW did a double turn, the fans would be predominantly behind MJF and booing CM Punk. Pac and Penta took on Black and King next. Really good tag match with Pac and Penta taking the early advantage. Splash by Penta to take out King. Pac would rapid knees to Black but King made a comeback and used my own momentum to deliver a poison rana at the Pentagon. We've never seen anything like that before. Penta countered with the mist from Black by holding his hand over his mouth, allowing Black to choke on his own mist, rolled him up, and got the win at the 16-minute mark. Great tag match. Could have gone either way, but very happy with the finish. Post-match, <coughs> King and Black are, talk- are taking their opponents out when the arena goes dark the crowd was cheering something fierce the announcers excuse me the announcers weren't sure what was going on either and when the lights came back up Buddy Matthews aka Buddy Murphy was standing over at Malachi Black (laughs) Murphy looked down at Black they got a great history with each other (coughs) <coughs> and then he eventually picked up a chair and began taking out Pentagon and Puck. That is right. <coughs> Buddy Murphy has aligned himself with Malachi Black and Brody King in the Black House of Black. Excuse me. So happy to see Buddy finally landing somewhere. And he der- deserves this. And joining forces with Malachi Black, in my opinion, was absolute genius. We see pre-recorded comments from Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Can't wait to see these two hiccup at re- revolution. Eddie Kingston and Chris Garrett go head out to the ring and go back and forth on the mic. Eddie says he's not a sports entertainer and really doesn't want to be doing this. But Jericho says they have to sports entertain a little bit in order to let the people know who Eddie is. Um, again, there was a lot of raw realness to this uh, back and forth. Um, they've been building this feud for two months and we're going to get it at Revolution. Uh, I loved everything about this segment, including the complete heel turn from Chris Jericho here. It's time to see these two hook up. Andrade and Matt Hardy talk about Andrade's TNT title shot on uh, Rampage this week, which then leads to Hardy challenging Sting, Darby Allen, and Guevara to a six-man uh, Tornado tag match at Revolution. Okay, does anybody realize that Jeff, that Matt Hardy is acting very um i don't know crazy lately like and i don't mean like he's trying to be the delete you know the eater of world and all that and, you know uh matt hardy delete and all that no he's not trying to pull that off he just seems like he's incoherent a lot lately i think matt needs to go into concussion protocol but that's just me uh ricky stark's and ten of the dark order then battle in a match for a uh, spot in the uh, face of the revolution match Uh, Dark Waters 10 got a chance to show off here, and he did just that. This kid used raw power and quickness for a guy his size should not have. Uh, Starks couldn't get much in, but 10 made one mistake and allowed Starks to get the win out of nowhere. The Bucks, Adam Cole, and Red Dragon argued backstage. And then we go to the ring for a um, TBS title match. Jade Cargill taking on the Bunny a little messy both missed a couple of spots but as the match progressed it got tighter bunny hit a uh, pair of super kicks and went for her finisher but jade jade transitioned out into her jaded and picks up the win and she is now 28 and oh i'm liking that they're going with like a goldberg who's next mentality here uh very much so uh she then cut a promo and ty conte interrupted and we're setting up their matchup for revolution Conti went to attack, but Bunny and Jade double-teamed her. Anna Jade came out with a chair and made the save. Conti and Jade could be very good, but we will have to wait and see because, as I've said before, if there's nobody in the ring to help Jade keep the pace going, things get a little messy. I'm not discrediting her. She's been good the last couple matches she's had. I hope that her continued growth progresses. We then hear from Alex Marvez interviewing Keith Lee. Lee says he's ready for the face of the Revolution match, but Team Kaz interrupts. They exchange words and all seem ready for a shot at the ladder match at Revolution. Danielson then takes on Daniel Garcia in our televised main event. Well, Garcia kept Garcia kept pace with Danielson throughout the entire match. They both traded submissions and shots, neither backing down. Garcia showed aggression with a high ankle uh, ankle lock and head stomp. Danielson countered, landed his stomps and violence, and laid in a triangle choke to get the win in a very good, technically sound main event matchup. Post-match, Danielson was paying respect to Garcia, and 2.0 attacked. Moxley made the save, and Danielson agreed to bleed with Mox in order to form a partnership to end Dynamite. I'm giving Dynamite a 4.0 out of 5. Uh, This was a great show from top to bottom, great storytelling and progression towards the pay-per-view on March 6th. And that leaves us with one and only show left here to talk about, and that is AEW Rampage. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen, AEW Rampage. This week we go straight to the ring, no entrances, no nothing. Sammy Guevara defending the TNT title against Andrade. An unbelievable opening match with men pulling out all the stops early. Andrade went for his double team, but Sammy supported out. Sammy tried for his double jump moonsault, but Andrade literally hurled him off the top rope into the floor. Uh, they continued back and forth, and even House Hardy tried to get involved. Guevara fought back and threw it, hit his finisher, and got the win over Andrade in 15 minutes to retain the TMT title. I know that they only have an hour on TV here, but I would like these two guys to go on 30 minutes. That's how crisp they were in the ring with each other. Um, post-match, Hardy attacked Sammy. But Darby Allen, and Sting made the save, so now their uh, six-man Tornado Tag Team Trios match is set between all of them, House Hardy and Andrade, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting. But I like the story of Darby and Sammy, and I want to see where it's going because whenever those two are in the ring with each other, it leads to a really, really great matchup. QT Marshall comes out and yells at Taz about Hook. He says that he taught Hook the respect and how to be with his elders and how to be in the ring, and Taz ruined all that. He then calls out Hook and has, wants him to come out and say thank you for all that QT did for him in his career. Well, Hook didn't waste any time. He comes out to the ring, but Marshall tries to ambush him with students of the factory, but the youngster beat down everyone and walked off. Loving the way Hook is being booked here. Please continue, AEW. Give this kid all the time in the world. <coughs> Dan Lambert is now bitching backstage with Paige's guy about having to qualify for the face of the Revolution Battle Royal. Hasn't Dan Lambert overstayed his welcome? Now that Cody and Brandy are out of the company, can we get rid of Dan Lambert too, please? Please? Wardlow then takes on Nick Camerato, and these two monsters just hammered away at each other. For seven minutes, which is once again, Wardlow's longest match in AEW. This is not counting his match with Punk, but when Wardlow is in a squash, this is by far his longest match. Uh, To date, Wardlow hit four power bombs and got the win. Post-match, Wardlow took out Aaron Solo as well, and then gets a pep talk from Sean Spears. I don't think Wardlow is buying it, and I really didn't understand this that much. Uh, Serena Deeb then took on uh, Kayla Sparks. Uh, Serena destroyed her opponent in three minutes. A lot of great-looking submission moves and strong-style strikes. She finally put on her Tequila Sunrise finisher and sparked that out. I'm glad that they moved these uh, um, five-minute challenges for Deeb to Rampage, but I just, in my opinion, this doesn't need to happen. Serena Deeb is not a champion, and she is not even close to winning any of the AEW women's titles. So having her look this strong without even being close to getting a title shot, makes no sense. Um, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker come out to sign their contract for their match at Revolution. Both sound off on one another, and Rosa attacks Britt after she signs. Rebel and Jamie stop her and are about to beat her down, but then Mercedes Martinez makes the save and puts Jamie Hayter through a table. Great segment. I always love when Rosa and uh, Britt Baker get in the ring with each other And I cannot wait to see what they do at Revolution for the women's title. Mark Henry then does a split-screen interview with our main event match uh, competitors, Orange Cassidy and Anthony Bowens. Bowens says he's winning tonight, and that's a mic drop, so keep listening, to which Orange replies, I stopped listening an hour ago. Orange uh, continues to grow on me, I have to say. Uh, Bowens uh, then took on Cassidy in the main event. Anthony Bowen showed why he is one of the best-kept secrets on the indie scene and has been for quite some time. Uh, his speed and strength is unmatched. He took it to Orange uh, the first half of the match and made his opponent struggle. Cassidy finally made a comeback and even took out Max Caster thanks to Dan Housen. Cassidy hit his finisher and picked up the win in 12 minutes. Impressive main event here um uh, and it a great show all around i give it a four out of five there wasn't really anything bad about the show but serena deeb and dan Lambert's segments didn't flow that well and the wardlow uh sean spears pep talk felt unnecessary but still a good show really 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 good show here um in my opinion if i had to rank uh what i watched this week with my scores and everything that I just said, uh, it would be Dynamite, then NXT, Rampage, Raw, and then SmackDown. SmackDown, as I said, was a chore to watch. So you want to go out of your way to see it, go right ahead. The best thing about it was the main segment with Brock and uh, Roman. Uh, but still, a great week word of wrestling. We're on the road to WrestleMania, which is April 3rd and 4th and uh we are on the road to revolution which is only a week away so now brings us to our final segment of the evening questions from the audience and i thank you guys once again for responding there were a total of five questions here and uh here we go from joshua dunn what is your opinion on cody rhodes and where will he wind up well my opinion on Cody Rhodes uh, leaving AEW is that it was a mistake. I don't think that Cody should want to go back to the WWE after the way that he was treated. And after once he was let go the WWE holding on to his name and holding it hostage for quite some time. He was treated unfairly by them. And I think that he's had better exposure being an impact, Ring of Honor, Japan, and AEW. Uh, I'd like him to either go back to AEW or uh, to Uh, impact for a little while, or Japan, and then eventually make his way back to AEW. Uh, And what I would like as a swerve here is Cody made a deal that if he lost to Jericho a couple of years ago for the AEW World Heavyweight title, he would not be able to challenge for the belt while he was with the company ever again. Well, Cody left. He can now safely walk back into AEW and say, well, I'm back, but under a whole new deal, I want my title shot. (laughs) Full heel turn, and he can, you know, say this is his company. He built it. Give me my damn title shot. I wouldn't mind it. But, yeah, I just – I feel that it was a mistake. I think that it's partially a work, and that they're just giving the fans a little time to cool off on Cody, let Cody heal and do any projects that he's doing, and that he will be eventually back at AEW – if he does go to WWE, man, he's going to be regulated to fighting either the Miz or Rey Mysterio every Monday night, and being involved in the run, the twenty four seven title running gag. That's just the way I see it. Question number two: Ashley J. Smith asks us, Archie Mitchell, why is Aaron Magson so wrong about Diamond Dallas Page? <laughs> well, I wish I had Aaron on the show with me. And furthermore, I wish that Aaron listened to this show so he could hear this question, but Aaron just does not like Diamond Dallas Page for his body of work. Uh, he says he, there's a couple of things about it that he doesn't like, uh, a couple of things that he does like, but as a whole, never been a fan of Diamond Ellis Page. I, on the other hand, I like DDP for what he did in WCW up until the doors closed. Um, I, however, did not like his WWE run as the stalker, and i just i think it's a to each his own type of thing everyone's not going to love the same people or like the same people or even hate the same people it's just the way it is next up mandy m pesci asks us what do you think about jeff hardy's alleged jump over to the aw roster who do you think he will run a storyline with um i do believe that jeff will go to uh aw why because the hardy boys seem to follow each other like two five-year-old twins uh where one is you see the other one following right behind for some reason matt's been out of the wwe for well over a year and i think that jeff will follow matt to aew uh and i think that the first storyline that he will probably get involved with i'd love him to have a feud with cm punk when he first steps in and talk about how punk made fun of his addictions when he left the wwe but i honestly see him pulling matt hardy away from that whole house hardy thing with private party and andrade and then becoming the hardy boys again and possibly feuding with andrade who will have maybe ftr with him or one of the other tag teams that he buys off of mjf of course they're going to do a blockbuster match against the uh, young bucks and we may even see them have a matchup with santana or ortiz because we've never seen those two teams fight each other Whatever the case is, I wish Jeff the best. I hope this is the last go-around of his career uh, because I think that Jeff has been hurting himself a lot more lately. I think Matt has as well. And I think that it's just time for them to now enjoy the glory days of their career and eventually retire with uh, hopefully grace Um, and, you know, can make sporadic comebacks every now and then rather than still being on the card and, you know, everybody asks for that Hardy Boys reunion every so often. Nathan Robertson asks, uh, where do you see Cesaro ending up? And that's why I cut what we were talking about in the quick, uh, it's so uh, short there. Honestly and truthfully, Nathan, I would love to see Cesaro in NWA. I think that his style matches theirs. I think that he could have a great feud with Nick Aldis or Thomas Lattimore or even Trevor Murdoch. If Cesaro did end up in AEW, I would like him to show up in AEW and maybe help out Chris Jericho against Eddie Kingston because those two have a history. Cesaro and Eddie have never liked each other or respected one another, and I think that it would allow us to get a great matchup between the both of them. Uh, So uh, I, I definitely would like to see Cesaro end up in NWA, though, but if not, and it has to be... AEW, then so be it. Just give yeah. us him versus Eddie Kingston so we can see the match we've been wanting to see since their time mm. in Jakarta Pro. That is my granddaughter, Winter, by the way, in the background here. Ush. She's having some ice cream. Uh, chocolate, ice. chocolate ice cream, ladies and gentlemen. Brought to you by Winter's Chocolate Ice Cream. If you smell know what the arch is cooking. And our final question um. comes from Ryan Damon. Mm. And he asks me, what is my favorite wrestling figure in my collection okay. well i have quite a bit uh, in my collection i have of course a, a loose one two three kid hasbro and a bunch of other series 11 hasbros mm-hmm. i'm a big macho man fan and i have a bunch of his figures in the uh, in my collection but my favorite figure is a uh, an autographed rick flair jacks legends figure um it came with coa and it was a present on my 37th birthday from my dad um, and it was the same night that I found out that Winter Rose was being born, my granddaughter. Uh, I'm a huge Ric Flair mark. Ric Flair and, and Terry Funk are my 1A and my 1B. I also have a Terry Funk autographed um, Mattel Elite figure. Uh, so, um, in any indication though, the Ric Flair Jacks Legends figure autographed is my favorite figure that I have in my collection. Uh, will no. definitely be the number one no, thing on that. my list. Um, If I didn't have it, I'd be looking for one, obviously. So that's why it's number one. So that is going to do it for us here tonight. Thank you for all of your questions, ladies and gentlemen, who sent them in. Thank you guys for once again listening. I will not be back next week. I am taking next week off just a one-week hiatus. um, And then I will be back with my review of AEW's Revolution um, pay-per-view. So I want to thank you. Uh, I will see you next week. Thank you for always being here and supporting us on the Weekend Missile Podcast and WrestleNet Radio. And I'll see you two weeks from now, or you'll hear me, obviously, on If You Smell <laughs> what, what the Arch Is Cooking. Good night, folks. I